Yeah, I guess there's like two um, different mindsets of like you just use a bunch of stuff from your videos to show what you've done, yeah. or you make up something completely new, and we have just gone the old route because we're like, we have plenty of videos. Yeah. Just, I want yeah. people to see what we... But now we we kind of felt some explanation was called for, and so the the strategy we hit upon was actually telling the story of how Peter and I came to China. And that's that that's true. I mean it's it's <laughs> tongue in cheek and, and maybe a little bit deadpan spoken, but it is actually a true story. Um, and then Peter I think we probably said that deadpan in real life. <laughs> um yeah. <laughs> you wanna to move to China? Okay. Um but yeah and then so we wrote that little dialogue and then put it over some again we used the old footage to mm -hmm. to connect it back with the old work to give you a sense of like our aesthetic but um it was kind of cool to have now a teaser that actually like welcomed you if you were a new view mm -hmm. viewer and gave you like a tiny clue as to what we were about oh yeah um, whereas the other other teasers i really liked but they were kind of like abstract 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 it's all abstract that was a problem that uh, certain amount of people had of it, it, our old ones would get a decent amount of likes and views but people were just like I don't wow I don't know what this is yeah like even if you're excited about it like I'm not subscribing to it because it's just yeah. a bunch of weird images yeah and so, this at least has a narrative but the narrative is from our style it's not a commercial that then sets you up to be disappointed by what the, our videos actually are it's in the same it's explainy-ish in the style of our videos, so there's a match between um, what's advertised and what yeah. you get, <laughs> which also, is important. One of the things that uh, we usually have a problem with, we've made so many teasers, not because we don't have anything else to say. I mean, I've noticed a lot of channels do tend to put just a continuous like update of this is what we're doing or this is what we're doing now, mm -hmm. um, which is fine. Um, but at some point I was just like, I feel like we make teasers every couple of months. And we do. <laughs> and we do, but it's because we keep changing our style so yeah. that the culmination of what we have all together looks for like our wide ranging pastiche of Right. Well, the images. character of the channel keeps evolving. Yeah. So it, it kind of justifies, I think, having to, to, to reevaluate what we're doing. Yeah. By by using a, a teaser in that sense, like yeah. how are how who are we now? Well, it's a good like quarterly review for us. Yeah. Like, what what did we think we were doing? What does it actually look like we're doing? Mm. Um, now, how do we convey the state of the channel to someone who knows nothing about us? Um, yeah. So I think it is. I think it's a good exercise, and you know, yeah, we'll probably do it again in a couple months. <laughs> Hopefully not, though. I'm pretty happy with this one. I think mainly because that we do have an explanation as to what we're doing in it. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. And then the big piece of business is that yesterday morning, our hard drive failed. Oof. We lost five terabytes of video projects, blah, blah, blah. But thank you, Emily of the past and Peter of the past. They are not permanently lost because we have online backups mm -hmm. so the That's thing I the thing I didn't realize is that down like I can download stuff 
directly from my my online cloud I guess it is mm -hmm. um, but I can only do that 20 gigabytes at a time and even that takes like an hour so I just today ordered the, a drive that will have the full everything um, and I even emailed them to make sure like so have you ever successfully delivered a drive to China and they their answer was we can send a drive to China. <laughs> so this might still be a gamble, but the information is all there and I'm downloading bit by bit the stuff we need immediately. So it was not, this is the best $60 I ever spent for backup. Um, and then Peter on his half, he noticed something was going wrong and so he saved some key files in a different place um, just in case they, they disappeared. And also, what we're like 20 videos ahead. We have 20 videos. As of right now, we yeah. have 60 videos that are on YouTube. We have 60 videos on YouTube. That are not published yet. Yeah, so you, the viewer, should not notice any gap in production. Um, Which is something that we Thanks to our planning. Yeah, we've been working on for a long time to make sure that... Um, whether it's computer stuff, again, working in computer media mm -hmm. industry for so long, we know that like the paper needs to go out the next day. Yeah. So running ourselves is that operation of like if the computer could break down, the government could run into turmoil, something yeah. could happen where tomorrow you can't get any work done. A computer could explode. Yeah. This it's way coming up on its eighth birthday. <laughs> this way at the very least we can still do work and we can still put out work and no one would know, but it's interesting to tell you how awesome we are that we figured all out. Yeah, well, because it was <laughs> like, I almost did throw up at one point, <laughs> thinking about the work that potentially was lost. And then when it wasn't lost, it was like, it's still a bummer to have to put the pieces back together, but it's not, because losing the work is not just like, oh, now we don't have that work. It also is like a big demoralizing blow to like, the desire to make future work. Well, yeah, like when I see other people, and not just like other YouTubers, but I mean, always in any kind of medium where uh, a person has said that they were working on something and then they lost it all, whether it's yeah. because they work on a computer and they didn't back something up or they didn't make a yeah. double backup or they spilled coffee on right. something. And like, we know to do this because we also have lost yeah. stuff. It's, it's having that kind of, when anyone tells you a story of like, oh, sorry, I didn't upload any videos in the past two weeks. You know, I stepped on my camera and then a cat ate it. And you're like, right. you should have had a cat, two cats as a backup. Yeah. <laughs> two cat backup, <laughs> at least. <laughs> and it does like, when you're setting it up, it does always seem excessive. Like, why do I need a physical backup and then a cloud backup and then an offsite yeah. backup? But like, it's you do because digital media is not as stable as we pretend that it is. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking about this when I was home in America, um, listening to people talk on cell phones and how much people, like, here, I don't talk on the phone that much, but I had maybe been attributing it to, like, maybe China doesn't have as robust a network, but China might have a more robust network because a lot of, Everyone there's a lot to... of, like, hey, I can't hear you, call me back. Mm -hmm. And, like, I remember 20 years ago, Fifth, no, like 15 years ago, oh, resisting better. cell phones because, like, why would I pay so much more money for a phone that's crappier than my house phone? Yeah. And now, like, no one has a house phone, 
but the phone is still on, as crappy. Or you hold on to your your iPod, iPad, your your brick. I don't even know what you call them anymore. Oh, the, yeah, the your, i. Your iBrick. For like, the iPod Classic. I still have it in a drawer still somewhere. Have it. It and doesn't it, charge on the new chargers, it though. It so. died, like, 15 years ago or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. With the hope that someday... Because were you going to put it buy a new one? Yeah. Like you I think a, I replaced... Bought a, you bought a Nano, and then, like, your phone actually did more yeah. work than your Nano did, so... Yeah. And so, it, yeah, like, it's... that's That was frustrating to, <laughs> to think of, like... Phones have not gotten better. I remember... And they don't have to, because everyone just buys them anyway. Yeah. I remember when going from analog recording for music and it took long enough to figure out like how do tapes work physically mm-hmm. wanting tapes and yeah. make them move in a machine to what we're using right now with this music that I just wrote seconds before we started recording mm-hmm. that the digital world in between there eight track recorders the beginning of digital recording was so confusing. Mm-hmm. Uh, things just didn't patch into where they were supposed to go. Like I probably spent like a good ten years of not working on anything because it was so hard. Like I bought the stuff and was like, "This is crap." Like I'm not going to buy anything more until they <laughs> fix their shit because I can't. Be. Now it's just a matter of like, "Hey, where do I got all these instruments? What do I plug it into? That one right there? Okay, good. Let's record an album, and you're gone." Well, yes, in some ways. In many ways, in a lot of ways, digital has made yeah. life easier. But, but the, the, the was, fact that phones are so terrible still is like the waiting for the, the those in between parts of of like is this one good or this one not? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is probably just wait yeah. or buy the new one. Yeah. But moaning but, about it. I mean, in in the, in terms of digital storage, no digital storage is good. Yeah. I, I looked into this a lot. Um, there's no good solution. Um, so just back your stuff up because it's going to fail. Yeah. Um, and we did. So thank you to the past us for being so prepared. And if there's anything that we want to be tutorial about, back your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to give you a tutorial on that. (laughs) Go figure it out yourself. Yeah. Um. Uh, but Daily let's, affirmations. <laughs> let's go on to homeschool film school. Alright, so this week we are going to talk about story breaking. So, I mentioned, we've talked about, the Peter and I are writing and hope to produce a mini-series based on our lives here in China. And so previously we've talked about our characters and the overall arc that we wanted to follow. And this vacation, actually, when I was back in America, was a lot of just sitting down and writing the episodes. So now I have five out of six in a good second draft state. And then the six I have, it's in outline form. Um, But it is a big job to go from the big ideas down to like, in this scene, who's there and what are they doing and what needs to happen. And so, it's a, it was a process that was really helped, I think, by the fact that Peter and I hashed out the characters so thoroughly. Because, I mean, this is so cliche when you hear writers say it, but it would be like they'd tell me what they needed to do. Like, I, I the, the most effective way for me to think about it was, like, 
So I'd have the outline and the basic conflicts of the story all set. And then to get from A to B, okay, well, Patrice is hanging out with Penny May. What are they doing? Oh, well, they're doing this. And then so, okay, I need them to get interrupted. Who interrupts them? Oh, this character interrupts them. And it is like, it's writing, I guess, seems mystical or art seems well, mystical because it does it's not like determination is not what makes the art come out you know i, I wonder how much like because people especially these days when you have like these big like star wars gone with the wind the uh, game of thrones world building is a term that people use a lot yeah and how much of it it really is like you're just building your dungeons and dragons castles and kingdoms next to each other but how much when when writers talk about world building or the characters are world building like like it feels like when people talk like again with game of thrones or star wars to me like right you were talking about what kind of ships they drive what kind of planet they live on yeah what kind of government they're ruled by or something like that. Which I always find like the most boring parts yeah. of those. Like, oh great, you figured out how an alien economy would work. Right. And Please then stop what... telling me about it. <laughs> and then when you deal with the characters, like you get like a second of something like a character, like everyone, we all love Han Solo or whatever, but I mean, not even knowing anything about the new movie, but it apparently falls flat on the character people most wanted to see a story about because it's young Solo and there's no character other than like Harrison Ford, uh-huh. like a Wookiee or whatever yeah. joke that he has. Like that's about all that the character has. The world is great. I mean, yeah. show me new characters. That seems more interesting. Again, I haven't watched those movies either. Or I've tried mm-hmm. to, and they weren't interesting. But having a big world for those characters to live in seems to be part of a world building. And once you have like the characters and you know where they have to go to get a thing done. Yeah. Like, how much do you feel are... are... Well, I I think, to me, I mean, we already start... China is a real place, and we're starting with things that happen to us, but what's a good driver for me is, like, how does the character relate to the world? And, like, there's broad stuff, like... Patrice has a sense of adventure, but she's also, like, a little shy, and so she pushes herself beyond her comfort zone. And that's, like, that's good for starting out, but then, like, that doesn't tell me necessarily, like, where she would go or how she'd get into a situation versus, like, um, she really likes helping people and, like, is eager for people's approval, so sometimes she gets into situations where she's doing something she doesn't really want to do because someone has asked her and she feels unable to say no. And then that's like, that's a scene, you know? Um, Then I just have to pick who's asking her to do what and where are they doing it. Um, Or like... How how important to you is is that, like, without getting too much into the story, mm -hmm. of where that scene happened and who is the, the whatever kind of character that that is bouncing off from her like is it is it more important that it happens downtown or is it more important to you who wanders into that scene and says like hey main character have you tried this right that's a good question i think there's a little bit of both because we do 
part of the goal of our our project is to showcase um, China and what it's like to live in China. And so there are some scenes that are driven by like, I want them to be hanging out in this tea shop where we can show these kinds of, and then like, okay, yeah, they're, cause, okay. <laughs> Let me give you somewhat concrete. This is hard to talk about without like giving away what we're saying. Um, but so there was, we have this character, Vincent, who's amalgamation of a couple of our friends to, to, to be completely honest. Um, he's well, it doesn't a, have to even be specific to the story or to our life, but like in general, of like human beings. Of well, let me, let me set this up. So Vincent, we had decided like, we wanted him to be this kind of old China hand. He's a foreigner, but he's been in China a long time. He has a Chinese wife and kind of is settled into business. And he's kind of like the, the mayor of the expats in this town. Mm. Okay. Um, and then Peter and I had talked about it that like maybe he has his favorite noodle shop that's like his office where like characters come in and out and we see him just like presiding and holding court was the phrase that we used. And then when it came time to write that scene, I wanted him there at times that weren't meal times and people don't hang out in noodle shops when it's not mm. lunchtime or dinner time. Yeah. So I had to change it to a tea house. And then it makes sense. I can have him be there anytime I need him to be there. And then that gives me the details of like when we hang out at tea houses, it's not just like sitting around drinking tea, but there's like raucous card games going on in the background, people handing out cigarettes all over the place. It's like actually a really exciting place. So then I have the double insight of like I want the background to be this lively scene. Oh my goodness one of these background characters is going to come interact with them and that's how we can show like Vincent just knows everybody there mm. and like the, mm -hmm. the, the ideas like build on each other like that. Mm. Um, and knowing a place is really helpful like to know that that's how the rhythm of business and a tea house in particular yeah. and at a time of day in this city. Yeah and that the interaction is going to be he's going to offer everyone cigarettes and mm -hmm. how they respond to that offer is like a good character moment for each person at the table. Mm -hmm. And then this is the part where like, I'm just writing it all down. I'm writing all of that down. Mm -hmm. I'm coming out with like 60 page episodes, whereas we're probably aiming for 30 page episodes. <laughs> so some of it is gonna have to come out or get moved around or condensed anyway. But it is like putting it all there is helpful to have that clay and then this is the next step, so I'm not quite on it, but I can see that the next step is going to be sorting through all these good details because I'm writing down like every funny thing that's ever happened to us is getting into the script somehow. Mm -hmm. um, to then pare it down to what of this serves the story. Mm -hmm. Like if it's funny to see so-and-so waffle while they're accepting a cigarette, but it doesn't do anything for the story. Mm. And in fact, sometimes those moments like drive the story somewhere else that I don't want it to go, then I have to cut it. Yeah, there are like definitely like, little details that are interesting, but like at this point, like something like uh, a little detail like a, a cigarette offer is mm -hmm. just par for the course in China and yeah. business and in friendship. Um, Cause, and, and I and think those are the detail details that are going to make our series ring true to someone right, who's... Right, but how do you do that without it actually just being, like, exposition of, like, 
we know how business works. That right, like we're right. showing you, hey, like if you could close up on the cigarette, I'm like <laughs> this is how business is done, as opposed to like it's just something that happens in the background. Right. How much do you write that into the story, and how much is that something that's just the director has put happening? Right. Like how how much does that cigarette weigh in the story? Well, I think that's the beauty of it being a visual medium and not a novel is that. For stuff like that, if we decide cigarette, the exchange of cigarettes is actually the central thesis of our plot, mm. then we can make the add tons of dialogue to that scene, add close-ups like you said to make that handoff like so important. Mm -hmm. Or if we decide it's just like a funny background detail, pull the camera away and and like yeah, the stage directions will specify so and so hand so and so a cigarette again, um, but in terms of like then like the director won't get a close-up of that or whatever. Right. And some of this is, I have the benefit or the curse of that we are going to direct it ourselves because mm -hmm. there is in Hollywood, but we're not aiming for Hollywood, we're aiming for Wood. indie success. But in Hollywood there is um, conventions of like what the script, the, what the screenwriter can put in the script, and what's really the director's purview mm -hmm. of decision making, and a lot of stuff like close-ups and and specific shots, it's seen as overstepping if the screenwriter writes that in. Yeah. And actually, to that end, I'm not. I am writing in background action because that's part of what the story is, what mm -hmm. we see, anything that I want to be represented. I feel like that's fair for me to write it, but I'm staying pretty far away from any kind of shot direction or any kind of mm. um, scene, scene by scene, you know. Well, adding the... Because uh, if it's written well, you, if you are our director, you should be able to tell what I think is important and then, like, plan your shots to emphasize that. Yeah, and, and being able to, like, if you're adding in this, the, the coloring of a scene, mm -hmm. um... That doesn't necessarily mean like that, that has to be anything else other than a note to me. Like, yeah. I, I would suppose that a writer would put that stuff in to be like, well, make sure that the tea house is pink because whatever my Right, if there's significance to, this, to the pink. Right. Yeah. But if a director can say like, no, I, I got you. It's yeah. going to be pink. Yeah. And we don't need a character to go like, hey, look. It's amazing that this place is pink because it's my favorite color. Right, right. Like, if you could, Don't if, write dialogue like yeah. that. <laughs> if the director can be like, we've already established before that this character is pink. Yeah. And so they are excited just by, I'll, I'll get that character's eyes. Mm -hmm. And whatever that it is to... to right, yeah, you'll have a director and you'll have actors too who yeah. can like... Oh, that yeah. don't have to verbalize every thought and emotion because they can convey that in other ways. Yeah. Um, and again, I think it, it's seen as stepping on toes for the screenwriter to put too many of those emotion directions in. Yeah. Except where it might change the meaning of what's happening if the actor doesn't realize, like, well, this is supposed to be sarcastic. Right, right. But, like, that's... You're, you're taking away their choice if you're, like... And then he says it in a high whisper that... Right, like, but... That Sounds Kevin like Sorbo it. direction. Disappointed. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's really interesting of like how how much it takes to go from like we had a pretty specific idea of like these characters 
have lived in China for a while and they're a little bit jaded and then this thing happens that jars them out of their comfort zone and then while they're picking up the pieces we meet these friends who do this um to go from that to like okay in this scene um Norbert wants David to open a business with him but David doesn't want him to open a business with him and here's how he makes here's how he gets Norbert to stop offering that um and it made me realize like I know this already but it made me like re-realize the reason why everybody thinks it's easy to write a book but that they don't write a book is that it's hard yeah. <laughs> it's, it's easy to come up with these ideas and maybe even like really good ideas but then like making those ideas enacting those ideas is like a lot of work mm. and it is it will take like so when I was in America I would sit down for like an hour at a time bang out a scene or two and then like get up and do something else with my brain and then I could come back and like write a little bit more that's just my process but I did remember I wrote a scene that even as I was writing it I was like I know I know I want the goal to end up over here, but it's really taking me over here. And I even called Peter after that. I was like, I think I wrote something, but I think it's not right. And then I went out for a run and then I came back and I was like, delete, 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 delete. Mm -hmm. Cause it was like, there were funny jokes in there, but it didn't actually go, it didn't move the action forward. Mm -hmm. So if that's, um, that's the big thing I learned, I think from this process is like, it has to be essential to either telling you something about the character, establishing the world, or the most important is moving the action to the place that you need it to go because we're going for a style that is not quite sitcom. Like we, we as we've termed it before, bespoke comedian character drama, character <laughs> comedy. Um, and there are like some formalistic things we want to do that because we're indie we can do them but meandering dialogue that goes nowhere um isn't right <laughs> you know like it has to you that we have some freedoms but we still have to tell a story well, I, think the more... I still want to tell a story i mean saying? like if what i wanted to do was just like natter on about the death star mm -hmm. for half an hour um well, we would do that, but that's not what I want to do. I want, I do want these characters to actually go somewhere. What you're saying, with you have like 600 pages that you need to wheel down to 300. Yeah, 60 to 30. <laughs> it's not that long. Not yet. Not yet. Um, that there, there is so much information. I, I feel like that's one of the big reasons for moving here to find a more interesting story to us is that. We would be doing the same thing back home. We'd be telling stories about like going down to Union Square and seeing the new Spider-Man. Oh yeah, I have a like... manuscript about a novel about a girl who worked in in the newspaper industry and was dissatisfied with her life. Yeah, and, I, <laughs> and lived in Brooklyn. And I'm not a writer, and I probably have three or four of those. Later yeah, now. yeah. So it's... <laughs> Just get issued those when you move in. Yeah. So I I think by moving here, there there are two. Not too many stories, because it's just that you you have to decide how many of these stories. We don't have time for you to talk about stories. In fact, that's why we have something like what we're doing right now mm -hmm. with this show, is to talk about other people's work. 
Like, I don't have yeah. time in, in the art that I'm making to, like, make a song about how much I like Star Wars. Like, right, that, right. I mean, you can have these bands that, that, that do make music about Boba Fett or something. Right. Like, and that's cute. But, like, we have stories about that we don't even know what the stories are. Yeah. The interaction of, like, going down to dinner tonight can open up a whole world of, like, questions that we're never going to answer. But it's certainly not, like, whether the Mandalorian new movie is going to be exciting because it's going to introduce a new kind of Boba Fett to the world. Like, right, It's right. not that I hate those things, it's just that, like, I don't have time to talk about those because the work that we're doing is, like, well, I don't know what that more, more to the point is I, I don't want to die, I don't want to write dialogue that goes nowhere that, like, because I'm not, that's not my writing style. Mm-hmm. Um... I don't want to have characters just babble on about nothing because mm-hmm. that's not the story we're telling. Like, that was appropriate for clerks because they were not going anywhere. Right, right. Um, but our in our story, our characters do actually do but you have, go you, somewhere. You have, like, you have to economize the amount of stories because you have a whole bunch of stories that it can't just be a random story of, like, I went to the grocery store and wasn't it weird that like there was a weird melon? Oh yeah, like that, yeah. That weird melon has to actually play a part mm-hmm. in the story. Yeah, it can't just be yeah. like I discovered a weird melon today. Right. <laughs> I've never eaten a melon like this before. Was it a winter melon? Then maybe you have a story because it's such a weird tasting melon and you could have that right. be part of the story. But if it's just like, boy, that's a strange shape. Like, oh wow, mm, purple yeah. melon. That's. Because that's all, like, people don't talk in exposition. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't be appropriate to have a character be like, look at this winter melon. Yeah. Now I'm going to chop it up. Wow, it's even stranger. I've never ins- had this before. It's kind of mild. And, what? like, that's, I don't know. That's, uh, that, maybe that could go in some, some something. Actually, they do kind of talk like that when they're doing video blogging videos of like I'm tasting weird Chinese foods right which is like part of what's a little bit off-putting about blogging yeah well and I think because you and I have talked a lot about like what we are doing right and to go from making a thing that we called a vlog to this that we're calling a podcast but actually is a lot of talking about our lives so it maybe is also the most vlog we've ever done yeah but that that it's you and I like having a discussion versus me narrating an event mm-hmm. that happened to me I think is like it's more interesting to do well it's it's certainly as like I'm because I want things to film and I'm asking you like well what are stories that you have so it's going to be a vlog so like what happened to you to, today on the way to school and you're like I don't want to talk about it it's kind of boring I don't right really want to. and I'm like well just do it and I'll film it I don't care <laughs> but <laughs> well, it wasn't quite that antagonistic <laughs> you're but, right but the, that feeling of, uh, it comes across on camera that, like, you're not actually that interested in telling the story, at least in this well, kind of it's, format. Well, it's not naturalistic. Right, and we're not going to to script it in a way that we're going to reenact it, because that just seems silly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that we actually talk way more about what's happening in our lives. Because even when you... On the podcast, but right. that's, that's easier to do. Even when you were blogging... And mm-hmm. in your comfortable form of writing and storytelling and reporting that you've been doing for years professionally, mm-hmm. even in blogging, you're telling more stories. Right now, we're telling more stories about our life, yeah. particularly in China, yeah. than you did even in the blog. Yeah. 
so it's it does have a more natural sense of like yeah we're we're blogging out the butt right now <laughs> having a podcast I would say the other significant story thing about uh, the miniseries that we're writing is that we did start from a place of like the story we were going to tell originally we thought Peter and I were going to act it out film it ourselves mm. and put it just on YouTube the story we were going to tell was that two expats live in China one of them's a teacher and they make a YouTube channel and then like they have some success on YouTube and here's how they deal with that. <laughs> and so it was like directly from our lives. And then, as you might guess, that didn't come out that interesting because like, we don't want them to be more, we don't want our fictional selves to be more successful than us. <laughs> but if they are as successful as us or less successful than us, like, well, that's not really anything. Yeah. <laughs> and then so, I think we had like some funny beginnings of ideas but that's where we kind of realized like that it's it was our idea but this is still not what we want to do yeah. so let's keep pushing oh what if they're entirely fictional and actually nobody cares about like what happens in a youtuber's day sorry yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's not about youtube but that survives in the fact that one of the characters does have an English teaching YouTube channel that and that detail weaves in and out of. It's mostly used as like the intro and outro um, kind of character building bits. Mm -hmm. But so what was once something fairly major to the story is now just like a character detail, which I think I found right. interesting. So like what I've written now is is vastly different from I did write out full scripts for Peter and Emily our YouTube stars um, and they're just they're they're completely different but there is part of the ghost of the original idea that lives on in and that in way the, the new that it's version. what we've what you've done is like you've created more of a blog by well, what, what we were doing as a blog mm -hmm. as it progressed yeah. By going back and showing how that progressed to what it is, it's, mm -hmm. it's like a meta vlog sort of effort <laughs> in like what we didn't want to do was vlog, but we were trying to vlog. Right. So what we're telling you is that we didn't like vlogging, and by making up a right. completely different story with different characters doing that. Yeah. Which I would imagine. We still didn't want them to vlog. <laughs> yeah, we didn't want them to. They didn't want to vlog. Well, and that was the thing, like, when we got, we got to the end of, like, pure vlogging last fall, we started expanding out into season two, which was more conceptual. Um, the thing that I was really desiring was to not write in the first person for one person anymore. And yeah. so, like, it is a totally, in retrospect, seems like a, a pretty even path to where we are now of, like... Yeah, you wanted, I wanted to write fiction for more than one person. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, well, why not? Let's do that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what we're doing. Well, even in the beginning when we first got here and we thought, well, what would we do? We want to know we want to work with film, but we were like, yeah. what do we, we're, do we make documentaries? And we talked about like, well, what we make documentaries about? And you had mentioned that like, well, I'd like to actually work in film and write characters. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that seems really hard to do. We're like, we're well, yeah. we gonna find a bunch of actors here in China. 
Turns out. Yeah. <laughs> maybe get, not in Lujel, but maybe even in Lujel. Yeah. As we get further and further to actually what we do want to do, it turns out that's... And I, and I think by way of, of traveling through, like, well, okay, so let's just make some film. We'll do what everyone else is doing. We're doing mm-hmm. vlogs and we're just filming ourselves, talking about our day. Yeah. But then, like, tearing that down and dragging it back up was just like, well, what the hell? Why not? Why don't, why don't we do what you actually want to do? Yeah, yeah. And then it turns out, like, writing fiction draws heavily on our real life. Yeah. But it's not actually about our real life. And I just... I think it's Nabokov, Nabokov mm-hmm. um, said something about how like readers always think fiction is autobiographical, and it never is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is. I mean, the, I didn't make up human behavior. I didn't make up yeah. China. So um, I don't know. It's a lot of fun. It's going really well. And my next step, I think, is I gotta finish the last episode. Mm-hmm. And they're, and by finish, I mean they're in states of like most, all of the scenes are accounted for. Some of the scenes are just the, the, the slug line of like interior, the apartment, night, and then like a one sentence description of what happens in that scene. Um, but that's, that's very few of them are like that. Um, I think the next step is to now take each episode put the beats on cards, divide them in like act one, act two, act three, see how the action flows, see how the pacing is. And then across episodes, make sure like we establish episode three, it, it becomes really important that David is a musician. Mm-hmm. So like to make sure from episode one that that detail is in there and yeah. like making that continuity flow across the whole um, season because it is like I had to again I had to just sit down and write stuff to figure out like oh yeah so and so is really into ping pong so I mean that's not that's not part of it but like to find these situations and then like oh yeah I really like that about this character um and that can affect action that happened before or after um so that's the kind of like Action happens in time, mm-hmm. but my ideas don't happen in chronological order. <laughs> yeah, when you're talking about how hard it is to actually... I, I, I notice, I'm guessing we get done a lot of things, but in the comic book world, there is... I guess it's like the 90s, really, when there was a, a lot more of... Like, the artists would sort of take over for the writer mm-hmm. and just start, like, drawing a story. And mm-hmm. then they're not good writers, but artists, so yeah. their their idea of writing a story was like, I'm just going to draw it panel by panel and let the story kind of happen and I'll figure out and I'll go back and I'll put in some dialogue or something, sort of like oh, a bastardization. Yeah, of, <laughs> that's why so much comic work is so bad, is that it's just kind of like, I'm going to let it flow naturally. Right. And so you get to the end of the story and you're like, Wait a minute, how come this guy has a gun? I thought at the beginning of the story he doesn't use a gun and that's his main thing. And you're like, right. oh, well, <laughs> as Stanley would say, you know, Marvel no prize. Yeah. <laughs> Turned out when you were in between two panels, this character actually right. decided that uh, it was really into guns. Well, and logistical stuff like that is actually really tricky. 
Because I, for myself, I don't know if this is how it, maybe everybody works, but like I do need to imagine the whole day. If like mm. if we're dealing with the action from morning to night, I have like, where did they go to lunch? What did they do? Or like for example, we have an episode that takes place out in the countryside, and in the first draft of that, we spend a long time going over how to take a bus out into the countryside, <laughs> which like on the second pass, I was like, all of that's coming out. Mm. Because like I needed to think through of like, when they go from doing the laundry, which is what they're doing when the action opens, to, to getting out in the countryside, I actually wrote through chronologically live all through that action. And then once I had that, I could take out like, we don't need to see them figuring out transportation. They can decide to do it and then they get there. And then I had them like walking past all the other houses and to see all the chickens. We don't need to see that. Mm -hmm. We need to say, we're going to the countryside and then their friends in the countryside are like, you're here. Like mm -hmm. you don't need the rest of that. But I did need to think about how that happened um, because then there are things like along the way that, yeah, you can, like you, maybe I cut out to the part of the, how they figure out how to take a bus, but that they do need to establish like in this phone call, like we're gonna have a goat roast. Whereas that's like a detail that came out in the car in the bus ride before, um, in the first draft. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and if you have done this actually in your real life, like you actually figured out how to get that bus, and you took that bus out there, and with the phone call, and you passed by those chickens. Right, like right. You've all done that, so you have to go back in your memory to remember how you got all there. Whereas in like, I think that's yeah, that's a perfect illustration of it. I'm like, as the viewer, but also as the director, I'm like, okay, so you got a great story there. Skip the whole bus. Right. And right. what I'm going to do is I'm going to do for about like 15 seconds, I'm going to do a montage of yeah. little music here, and I'm going to show you a chicken in a coop. I'm going to show you a tire of an old bus. And I'm right. going to show you like an right. old lady with her kid, and they've got a hen in their lap. Right. And now I know exactly what you've, you've gotten together of like mm -hmm. you're taking a bus out to the countryside. Yeah. And I think that's like... The difference between figuring out what happens and then showing what happens. Like, because yeah. I did, when I went to my friend's house out in the countryside, we parked the car far away and had to walk to the house because there's not actually a road that goes to their house. And then, like, we saw all these interesting things along the way. So, originally, when I wrote that scene, I just copied down what happened. Mm -hmm. And then, like, rereading it, I could say, like, okay, the chickens are significant, so we need that. But cut the rest of this. Right, because if, if you had taken all those details that you had written down, you're either going to write a poem or you're going to give me a, an, an Instagram photo album. Like, right. I, I don't actually... Well, it's like, like your Instagram photo album of 300 photos that are really best served by 10 photos. <laughs> right. <laughs> but what I don't need for you from, from you is like a 20-minute movie of how you walked down a dirt road and you saw this kind of flower. Right, and, and again, that's, the, that's the beauty of film is that you can just have like a transition shot of the dirt path and then we're there. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't actually have to walk on it and have a and conversation. If you, <laughs> and if you and your whole crew are able to put that in a way that's moving to the viewer, mm -hmm. then maybe that viewer will actually go out there someday and visit themselves. Like, yeah, I, I can't yeah. actually tell you what it's like to be there, which yeah. I know is what anyone like oh I just had this amazing dream please don't tell me I don't want to know like, yeah, yeah let me have that one myself like 
But an another illustration from someone else's work of like how that, the deciding which moments are important. So we just watched the movie The Sword of Truth, mm -hmm. um, which is really good and you should watch it. And this is mildly spoilery. Um, but there's a screwdriver that plays a significant part of the action that they established in Act 2 that they then show, like, so one guy threatens another guy with a screwdriver he took off the desk, and they very deliberately show him put it back. And then, it did stand out to me, like, that they're showing him put it back, because, like, it part, like, you're on the side of the store owner of, like, don't steal his screwdriver, put it back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then it comes up later that he has the same pair get into an altercation somewhere else and he takes the screwdriver and then Mark Marin is like, is that my screwdriver? <laughs> and I'm thinking, they showed him put it back before. This is a different screwdriver. <laughs> and I'll leave it to you to, to watch the movie to figure out whose screwdriver it was. But it's the case of like, if you didn't walk through, you as the screenwriter or you as the filmmaker didn't walk through like, what did Zeke do with his entire day? and where is he picking up and putting down screwdrivers, you wouldn't have that work so seamlessly. But yeah, you don't need to have every detail of Zeke and a screwdriver. And since this is spoilers, to actually give furthermore mm -hmm. with that movie, of that character in particular, is it wasn't just through the day of what Zeke, of how Zeke ended up with that and what he did with that screwdriver. Yeah. It's his whole life because when they go back later on and Mark Maron's like, Oh, wait, you're that kid. I know your mom and dad. Your dad was this way, and your mom was this way. And so you find out that he's kind of was raised by, like, a caring mom with an, a mean alcoholic dad. And he's like, well, why'd you take off after the bad one? What are you doing? Yeah, so yeah. you know that he's the kind of kid that would, like, take a screwdriver and threaten to stab somebody and then put it back. Right, he wouldn't steal your screwdriver. Yeah. So it's yeah. that mixed message of a character who out their entire life in two scenes... Yeah, I've given you the motivation of like this one tiny but important thing because yeah, and that, that's 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 about an act. It's a beautiful economy of writing, but to like get there, for me anyway, and I have to imagine that like you as the writer have to think of the whole entire world, and then the most important part is deciding, okay, this is how it all went, but we're gonna see this part, this part, this part. Yeah, if Zeke had like ten lines in the movie, it'd be amazing. Yeah. And within those lines, you got the whole, the writer knew who that character was throughout the character. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a complete character who who is in five minutes of the movie. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's, it's a lot of work, but it's fun because it's all like using your imagination. And then like, I will go out for runs because that's, again, I'm saying again a lot. But this is not just me as a writer. I think it's common for a lot of writers to do physical activity and specifically running. Um, I would go out for a run and have ideas. And then, like, if I could, some of them made me laugh while I was running. And so I was like, nope, that's gold. <laughs> and, like, surprising my own self and then making myself laugh meant it goes in the script. <laughs> um... But let's go on to commentary. Commentary. Um, we have four videos that we put up since we last talked about putting up videos. Um, one is the music video for Baby Squoze, which 
was another one that did very well. Was that in our EP? Yes. Um, we have an EP on Bandcamp that you can go... Yeah, we haven't actually talked about that, have we? Oh, I guess we haven't, so let's talk about that. So, we have all of our original music up on SoundCloud where you can listen for free. Um, but we also have started a Bandcamp page where you can buy high-quality downloads of our music. <laughs> um, and the first EP is up now, has four songs, five songs? I think five now, yeah. Five songs, um, including this one, Baby Squoes. Yeah. Um, and just to, to talk about Bandcamp for a second, is yeah. one of the things that we've been, I mean, we don't have enough viewers or anything to really worry about, like, do we start a Patreon? Do we open up a, what is one of those tiny press make t-shirt Oh, Cafe up. Press, Cafe yeah. Cafe Press. Yeah. It's like, because everyone does that. How do we monetize? Yeah, how do we monetize that? Um, I mean, we're certainly not big enough where, I mean, even if a makeup company is coming to us for some kind of a head kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, but it, it's funny how that stuff happens early enough where, like, yeah, you know, 20 people watched your video from last night. What am I supposed to do with that? I'm going to ask yeah, people yeah. for money for that? Yeah. But that's what everyone does. Um, and, I mean, we have logos. We can make t-shirts and stuff like that, but that seems kind of silly. Yeah. But I think now that we're moving into, like, we, we write all of our own music for all of our videos, and they can be put into short EPs. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's tons and tons of songs that we have on SoundCloud that you can listen to, but that we can organize them into something mm -hmm. that is a monetized thing is definitely a new, weird, strange of like, yeah. oh, actually, we have a product to sell. Which I think when you start charging money for something, people do start to take you more seriously. Right. And, and selling an EP to me feels different than begging for money on Patreon. Yeah. Because an EP is a thing. Whereas, like, I don't really feel comfortable. I don't feel like we need to. I don't want to. Mm -hmm. Just be, uh, well, so we can get a cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because we're making these videos because we love them. And we're not against Patreon, and we're not saying that we're never going to do it. We have yeah. a Patreon, but we haven't done any work with it. So but especially as, as we're turning a little bit more experimental... Not that the work is like experimental to watch, but for us, literally, we are experimenting. Yeah, we're trying to figure out um, what do we want to say and how we want to say it and how do we do the distribution on it. it yeah. It's kind of weird to be going like, hey, somebody give us money while we figure something out. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, and like... Which yeah, is also why we, part of the reason of moving to China and only you working and yeah. that we, we figured out a way to like do our own experimenting mm -hmm. in, because with, without a, like actually having to like ask for any, and I'm not going to say beg, yeah. but like <laughs> ask for money for other people to like fund this. Like we yeah. will be asking for money from somebody at some oh, yeah. point, yeah. but it, in these early <laughs> stages. Uh, but like, it's also like I, fundraising for a mini series that we've written feels different to me than mm -hmm. like, hey, subscribe to our Patreon and we make videos whenever we feel like it yeah. about whatever we feel like Tonight, doing. That's like that's not a project to bankroll. That's just like a tip jar. Yeah, um, yeah. Tomorrow or tonight we might go to, to Hot Pot and we might make a video and we might bring it home and, and upload it for you to watch and maybe you might enjoy that and give us a couple of dollars. Yeah. That's a weird thing for... like. And I, like it takes work to do. I, but, 
gutsy salute to people who make yeah. their living that way. Um, but philosophically, it's like, I don't live to eat, I eat to live. No, I live to eat, I don't eat to live. We make this because we set up a life where we can do this because that's what we want to do. Right. As I've said now several times to different people in my life, um, I figured out like no one's going to pay me to do what I want with my life. So part of moving to China is like, it's easy to get enough money mm -hmm. to then like spend the rest of my days and time doing what I want to do, which is all this. Yeah, and it's not like a, a, a hack that we're unaware of, like, we are in a unique position of where we're from and who we are to be able to do this kind of life. Oh yeah, it's totally lucky. Yeah, um, but that choice of doing it makes for, well, we're going to foot the bill until we actually figure out with, I mean, the other thing I guess is that you have... If I'm just going to film us at dinner and ask if you want to give us money for watching us eat dinner, <laughs> like, I actually spend a lot of time working on music that I'm really proud of. That right. I would rather you give me money for that. That's a product. <laughs> yeah, that's a product. I feel totally comfortable yes. with that. So as we move into, again, back to, 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 to Bandcamp is, is that next movement of like, oh, we're actually like making a thing now. We may have hundreds of videos on YouTube. And we haven't asked for any money for that. Yeah. Because we're just playing around trying to figure some stuff out. Right. But moving into an area where we're like... And a lot of this is, is thanks to the help from our, our friend, Freddie Berger. Thank you, Freddie Berger. Yes, indeed. Who was our first um, couple first of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> for the first EP. He's our first profit. <laughs> he gave us, like, hey, where do I get money? We're like, well, we don't want to do this Patreon thing yet. Like... Well, why don't we set up the band camp stuff where we have actual songs where people yeah. can actually buy them and take them with them in their earbuds and live with them. Yeah. And we're like, oh, okay. We're turning that corner. Mm -hmm. So it's a weird place to be of like, uh, where everyone else, I guess, is, is like, hey, somebody wants to give me some free brushes to talk about makeup. To sell those brushes. Yeah, so. <laughs> to sell those brushes. Not just because they like my face. Yeah. It feels good to actually like, oh, we're doing it on our terms. Yeah. And we're getting a reaction for it. So Yeah. That's how Bandcamp is happening. Thanks, Freddy Burger. Again. Yeah. <laughs> and Squoz was the first song that you put up on Bandcamp. Yeah. Um so yeah. not the first first song we made, but the first song to actually go to Bandcamp. Yeah. Um Yeah, so that was that was exciting. It's exciting it's an exciting new direction. Um and the video itself is just extended footage of it's ton, ton, tons of little babies. Oh, right. Tons okay. and tons and tons of babies in a quick, nauseating barrage of... That's right. I do watch our videos, I promise <laughs> you. <laughs> um, and then we have Left Alone in China, which is true fact. Peter was left behind while I went to America. Um, but the behind-the-scenes skinny on that was that he wrote half of it before I left. <laughs> <laughs> And then you said you filmed it actually in reverse order so you could go from disheveled looking to cleaned up. Yeah. Which I thought was a fun detail. Yeah. Well, it, it kind of goes with what we're... We're making up a story that... Is it a vlog or is it what... You know, completely... Does a writer actually write from real life? Mm -hmm. And what, what about it is 
part of the show. Well, that you can write from real life, but have it not be autobiographical. Yeah. Um, like, I knew I'm going to be alone on the other side of the planet for two weeks. Here's the story that, uh, I mean, yeah. I know it's going to happen. I'm going to yeah. sit here and I'm going to work the entire time. Mm-hmm. If I make that funnier, like, the, the, the quintessential joke that we all know is somebody's left alone by themselves in an apartment with all yeah. their toys that they're going to go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so writing that as a story and then, yeah, filming it backwards so that, I mean, because I don't want to sit the entire time in a, I don't want to actually go crazy. I'm writing a story here. I don't want to, like, two weeks right, in, right. be like a, a woolly mammoth going, Yeah, because there is something to, like, self-presentation externally reflecting internal. Right. It's your state of mind. And, and we're doing that, like, with the other characters that we're creating in monologues and, and stuff mm-hmm. now. So we're, we're, we're taking these real-life stories and we're twisting them enough into different characters that will make it interesting to watch. But it's weird because in, in the YouTube world and, like, are we a vlog? Are we a real vlog? Are we a satire of a vlog? How do you define that? Is it lined up next to other people that are doing vlogs so yeah it does look like oh my god is he really going crazy yeah um, yeah and this was all planned in with a lot of safety nets and <laughs> <laughs> well and like if you are savvy about how film works um someone edited that video yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so this man is probably okay <laughs> right yeah it took a lot of work there is actually. not like actual snuff film on youtube anyway <laughs> yeah. so, um this this is this is a construct. So I, and and just in that as a little like thing that I even I did myself, but what we're trying to do, and as a whole with the channel of, uh, are we a vlog, or are we making stuff up? Like, it's fun to play with those those blurry lines of mm-hmm. of what is our story, right? How much of it is real, or how much of it is. A construct that we're right. drawing from. Well, and I think you know, it, for it to be a successful video, the audience has to know that some, at, at least part of it, is fake. Right. Because it's not. Yeah, it's not funny to laugh at someone really having a breakdown. Yeah. But it, since this breakdown is obviously false, um, you can laugh at it, and it's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, which did you? You were saying that you've been using the karaoke mic to record yeah. some songs. <laughs> yeah. And so we have we have our little Zoom recorder, mm-hmm. um, which is right here, but you can't <laughs> see it, so I don't know what I'm gesturing at. But that's what we do most of our um, general recording on. But then for music to kind of... The Zoom in this room... The Zoom in this room... Mm-hmm. Um, has somewhat of an echoey sound. The room itself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Zoom is multi-directional, so it's picking up live so we have done some dialogue recording using the zoom as a recorder and plugging in our lav mics but our lav mics are four dollar yeah <laughs> nothing they're not they're just like basically a dummier i think i've worked to them as so peter was experimenting this karaoke mic is our landlord's that she left in her in our apartment. <laughs> she has a whole setup, which is not uncommon in China to yeah. do karaoke in your home and have like a big time. The TV plays the videos, and you have this PA system with microphones. Um, that's not at all uncommon, and she has one too, 
which we could set up. But um, instead, we just use the mics for recording some singing, I guess, right? Is that yeah, well, that's what I had to use for some new stuff. Well, for, for what we're going to talk about in a minute and mm -hmm. some stuff that hasn't come out. We need to buy a new microphone, is what we found out. Yeah. <laughs> we can't use the, the household microphone that was probably bought for like two yuan. And the Zoom is like a good workhorse, but it's as we get more specified about what we're doing, it's not great for music, it's not great for singing. But it was made um, for as, as, as more for field recording. Really, yeah, yeah. So that you can, you're going to get the ambiance of the entire situation that's in the room. And you can do other things with it too. Or you can plug straight into it or whatever, but like it's basically made for doing what we're doing right now, which itself isn't even the greatest sound. We get yeah. pick, and that's what we're doing is we're picking up the echo right. of the whole room. It's a tiny little concrete room. Well, ideally, we'd either have two and set one up in front of you and one up in front of me, hmm. or we'd have a sound guy mounted on a boom pole and put it over our heads as we're talking. Yeah. Um, but we don't have either of those things yet. But that's so that's the next equipment goal is. A better, more specific microphone. Yeah. Um, but the let's so the the microphone came into play in Peppercorn. Yes. Um, which is another music video. Um, that was Peter's Peter's thing. So, take it away. Um, well, it, it essentially is just the. I mean, the, the the song is about once again returning to John, which is. No, whole... Peppercorn is not about that. Peppercorn oh, is that's Peppercorn. A, that's yeah, another song. Peppercorn's yeah, Lee John's about, not up yet. Uh, yeah. Coming yeah. soon. Crap. Peppercorn's about peppercorn. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess. It's, it's an ode to peppercorn, and this is the video that got 700 yes. something views. Right. Um, so we, we kind of already talked about it, but I like it. I really like it. <laughs> it was a nice surprise because um, Peter, Peter and I, before I left, we talked about what projects you were working on, mm -hmm. and then you were also like, I'm going to do some music too, and I love it. I, yeah. love, I love your music. <laughs> so well, like, that, that was back, a good, fun surprise for me. For us talking about the, the band camp stuff, it's like we do have tons of music that we put in all of our videos, and it's all our own music. And that was, like many things, that from the beginning was something that we were going to focus on. Um, and, I mean, I, that's I spent... You know, my college years and past them, like in bands and touring and things that. So it's not making pop ish music, mm -hmm. is songwriting is was my main thing. So getting back and using that into what we're doing now was inevitable. Mm -hmm. And this was like, well, I'm here by myself. Why don't I? I've got the time to, to deal with that kind of thing. Uh, and, and making a music video, because like, it's not. A whole big concept of like we're not telling a story. Mm -hmm. It's it's images. It's a music video. So like, let's start playing with that, and we're gonna play with that a lot more from now on too. Yeah, which there's still some some degree of writing involved in a music video. Oh well, yeah. Whether or whether it's just sketching out the concept of like using chopsticks to pick up. Yeah. Silly things. Right, but it's not a narrative of us. Or I mean, right. it could be. I it mean, could be. It yeah, could we're be. not right, right November rain here. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, that, that's the instigator for what's going to be happening more and more often is yeah. focusing on things like our band camp. And, and so Peppercorn will be on the next EP? Or is technically, it... it's on it right now. Oh, I okay. want it to release it and not have it not be available. So it's on oh, I see. 
what's on Bandcamp now. But uh-huh. well, we'll discuss that strategy. Yeah, we have to off the that air, <laughs> and then we'll tell you about but it. It's available that's, that's to buy. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's a fun video. And then the last video to talk about is the Beijing Bikini, which Peter and I wrote together, and then it features Peter's old, cranky old expat character. Um, Mr. Know-it-all. And it does come from, there was a news item earlier in the summer that, and this happens every so often, that Beijing, Beijing the government decides, like, China needs to be more civilized is the word they use. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this effort, this time around, included telling men not to pull their shirts up over their stomach when they get hot, because that's the thing people do. And it's, and it's called it the Beijing bikini, bikini, but it's it's all over the yeah. country. And it's, yeah, it's based around that your body heat comes out of your stomach. Yeah, that, that a hot stomach is bad for you. Yeah. Um, but women don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> the men are allowed to do it, and... Yeah, so men take their shirts off or just pull their shirt up over their belly. And often they have like a glorious little gut there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's cute. I'm not I don't feel like it's uncivilized or mm-hmm. that I'm offended by it. But well, especially like I that, realize I'm not like in charge of anything, so I'm guessing <laughs> that opinion matters not. Like this kind of mandate is, is something that's coming from the big city and yeah, like when you like in Beijing and mm-hmm. you have an international population moving through it at any time like it may seem like, you know, well, they don't do that in New York. Why are we doing that here? Yeah. But in a place like Luzhou, it's it's something like, I, by the time like this year that it was something that was of concern by the government, it was kind of like, oh, really? I, I don't know what our streets would look like without these sweaty bellies. Right. Like, but it, on, on the bigger, like, China is not the only place to try to organize their social norms. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, like, when, for my parents' generation... I'm told that driving drunk was not a big deal. Right. Like, no one would think twice about getting in a car drunk, which is not good. Or spitting on the subway or... Yeah, but yeah. when I grew up, I grew up with all these commercials about, like, have a designated driver, um, look at these little girls that got killed by a drunk driver. Yeah. Like, drunk driving is now a huge no-no in America. Like, unthinkable no-no. Yeah, like, and like... like You might as well be walking Your family would shun you. Yeah, um, as it should be. Yeah, yeah, it is. A, it's it's a serious social health issue, um, but that didn't happen by accident. That happened because of this coordinated campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to preempt any like, oh, China's trying to control its citizens. Like all societies mm-hmm. decide what they value and don't value, right. and then have a way of conveying that message. Well, and that's kind of the <clears throat> the point of our our wise assy know it all character. Mm-hmm. Again, another character that we're working on mm-hmm. is he's taking it as a stance against man manliness manliness <laughs> and being controlled by other forces that like. Our, our character's a farce, mm-hmm. and that that's our, our point is don't listen to this guy. Yeah. Like, whether you find it, it's it's cute mm-hmm. for these men to be sitting out at Hot Pot slapping cards around and showing off their belly and spitting. Yeah. Or you think it's disgusting or whatever, like, shut up. It's, it's, this isn't my yeah. city. <laughs> I'm a guest here, and that's our point, is that... Well, it, my point is... Show us your gut. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's what that's all about. Yeah, um, but that was a fun one to write, and that was 
We even filmed that before I left. So yeah. That was... Well, the fun part... That's where our queue is 60 videos long. <laughs> <laughs> the fun part about this kind of writing is that we can take it to the absurd because there's... I mean, if you're taking it seriously, I mean, the, the, the lengths that we go to make it sound goofy... Because mm -hmm. also, we should have had your character be shirtless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, he's wearing his uniform coat. of the coat and yeah. t shirt. In this middle of summer. Yeah. <laughs> but that's just a, an example of how we'll surprise you. Yeah. We're well, not going to make I, the I, obvious choice. This character wouldn't do that because. Yeah, he's just, he's the kind of guy who's going to argue devil's advocate for anything. Yeah. No matter yeah. what he actually believes. If right. you believe something, he's going to tell you what the opposite is the right answer. Yeah. Which is like, those people are maddening in real yeah. life. But it's a lot of fun to write a character like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but maybe that's all the commentary? Sure, why not? Any, any final thoughts? Um. Um, but let's have some noodles. To you.